Uh, it's always good to be here and to be in the household of faith <laughs> and to see your faces. The, uh, the thoughts that was going through my head uh, last week and, uh, of course, yesterday was on how to have God's best. What could we do to get God's best or... Um, is there a, a trial and error? Is there a, a continuity type thing that we need to be thinking of? And uh, it sometimes when I'm daydreaming in the middle of the night even, God will wake me up and give me some verses. And then I try to incorporate those into the sermon time. So first I want to think on this um, Call upon me, God is asking, to call upon him. Call upon me and I will answer thee. That's a positive, a, a sure thing, something you can drive a stake for, that it's a true statement. And show thee, so he's going to answer and he's going to show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We haven't thought about them, we haven't, arrange things in our minds, try to think on something, but God's going to reveal those things to us. He wants to. So that's from Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. If we're looking for God's best, we need to have hope. Uh, there's verses all over the Bible about having hope. So do we have something to live for, that hope that is in us. So first, that'll be the first thing that I'll go after here is hope for God's best. And then we need to aim for God's best. If we have a, a, a rule for ourselves, we tell ourselves, I'm going to do this because I want to please the Heavenly Father and uh, want to do things pleasing in His sight and that He may have joy in us. That's looking for God's best by aiming at it and trying for it, doing what's best. Sometimes we need to visualize. I've got an example in here when I get to it, <laughs> uh, of visualizing God's best. Sometimes we have to sit back and say, what is God's best? What is happening? Or I can see this developing, something else is happening here, and God wants to use it for our advantage, for us. And for those around about us. Also, we need to expect uh, I guess a big example of that would be to if we if we pray without expecting an answer, or if we don't quite believe that God is going to answer or God is going to do it, we're not expecting an outcome. Uh, that's not a good idea. <laughs> okay, we need to trust God that He's going to answer, and that we can have that thought in our mind. I've uh, got large print here, which will help me. So I do have the computer over the side, but <laughs> I think I'm going to try to leave it there. And my Bible isn't as large a print as I would like, but uh, sometimes the red marks in my Bible help me to read faster and better <laughs> because I uh, know what ought to be there. Uh, but bear with me. So we're looking on having God's best. What can we do? How can we have it? How can we have God's best? First point would be um, the hope that I mentioned. Hope 
for God's best. Our desires should be uh, in these verses that that'll show here. In Psalm 71, verse 14, Psalm 71, verse 14, but I will hope continually, don't give up, don't let the guard down, <laughs> continually, and will yet praise thee more and more. That's David saying that. He was the one that could write songs and write poetry and make them into songs and make the instruments and have others help him to have these praises going on. And he says, I'm going to do it more and more. That's a good attitude for us to have. Psalm uh, 71, there also has from verse 14 through 18, which I wanted to be sure and read. So I've got it written out in larger print here. Uh, in verse 14, I just read that to thee, to you. Verse 15 says, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the number thereof. Now, that, oh, interesting wording. Oh, that's right. We don't know how long we're going to live. We don't know how many days that we're going to be able to praise God. So we better do it while we got the chance. Okay, that's what I see in that. My mouth shall show thee, uh, shall show forth thy righteousness. So we need to talk about God's righteousness and thy salvation. Uh, just keep talking about God and showing that he's a good God, ex explaining it to others. Verse 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. That sounds like New Testament verse with the Holy Spirit guiding us and the Holy Spirit driving us, giving us the words to say. Don't worry when you're even going to court or whatever. God will give you the words. Okay, that's what we need to be is in the strength of the Lord. And uh, uh, even the, the I, I will mention of thy righteousness even thine own, thine own only. Thine only. The righteousness of the Heavenly Father is what we need to talk about and go in the strength of the Lord. Verse 17. O God, then hast thou hast taught me from my youth. That's David. Yep, that's true. And hitherto have I declared thy righteous works. He says, you taught me. I know that you were with me through everything, even from my youth when you had to fight Goliath and so on. Hitherto, from then till now, I declare the wonders of thy works. We need to do the same. Verse 18. Now, also when I am old and gray, and I thought gray-headed, <laughs> I think that's got me in that verse. O God, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. That has always affected me. I use different words, right? But I want to know that I can teach my children and my children's children and that they would raise their children right as well, from grandchildren to great-grandchildren to great-great-grandchildren. You know, I want to see the blessings of the Lord go down the line and that they will serve God and they will receive his blessings. Um, my, that, that is something that everyone should want to have happen in their family, 
that they can pass it along in the family line. So the first step in having God's best is to hope for his best. Too, too many believers settle for less. You can see people that are going to church. They believe in Jesus, but they're not doing much else. They're not looking for God's best in their life. They're not presenting God's best to others. Um, they just settle for less. God is pleased to give his best, but we must desire to have it. He wants, wants to give it. He wants to send us good things. And we're going to find some more verses here shortly. We must ask, seek, and knock. Oh, did I give it away? <laughs> you probably know that verse. Okay. Anyway, that's in Matthew chapter 7. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to go through the next couple of verses as well there. Verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. We need to follow those steps, right? We need to be sure and ask for God's best. Ask for his blessings on our lives and, and knock on those doors and, and to seek after it, to find it. And, and, and God will open those things to us. Verse 8 says, For everyone that asketh receiveth. Wow. Everyone that asks, we better be asking. Because that's a positive, right? He's wanting to give it to us, and we will receive it. And he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh, it shall be opened. Verse 9, Or what man is there of you, who if his son asks bread, will give him a stone? He says, now you understand this. In the regular world that you're in, your circumstances of life, you're not a, a fancy uh, named a Christian or whatever you want to call it. You're regular folks, but you know better. You know that if your son came and asked for bread, you wouldn't give him a stone. Or if he asked for a fish, you'd give him a serpent. No, you, you wouldn't do that. You're better than that. What about the Heavenly Father? He's better. If then, being evil, being who you are, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Well, we can ask. That is true. We are allowed to ask. We can, you know, we might ask amiss because of something that we uh, don't understand or don't do right. We might ask wrongly sometimes. It's like a little child comes and wants a pocket knife. First thing you got to know, can he know how to open it and close it without cutting his finger? Right? So God sometimes won't give us things that are going to cause us difficulties, even though we ask. But if we don't ask, we'll never get it. I remember asking for a BB gun. My dad said no. It's just a waste of money and just a toy. It wasn't very long and he bought a rifle, a twenty-two rifle. Taught me how to use it. Uh, see? If I'd settled for less, yeah, that's all I'd have. <laughs> okay. If God bought, my dad bought a single shot, long-barreled 22 rifle that he only allowed to be in the little tiny short bullets because in his days he shot what was called BB caps. There's no powder in the little shell 
and there was a BB set on top of there, squished in a little bit, in a 22-short shell. And just the, just that little flash of uh, firing what would be powder in there was all that threw the, the pellet. <laughs> and there was not just one kind, there was a number of kinds of those. But he didn't buy me the cheapy thing. I could have settled for cheap, right? I needed to settle for more, expect more. And, and my, my dad gave to me, I know Heavenly Father will give what is best for me. However, it says, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven, that Father, the one in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? We just need to remember to ask. The psalmist also prayed, let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. That's from Psalm 33, verse 22. That's a, that's a Bible verse, something we can bank on, that God had him, had placed in his mind and he wrote, you know. Uh, this is God talking to us, that we ought to do according as we hope in thee, hope in the Heavenly Father. We need to have an aim in our life, an aim for God's best, to plan for it, that we would get it. And the verse here in, in Philippians 3, 13, I'm going to read 13 and 14, so I've got them on the paper here. Um, Philippians 3, verse 13, and then 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I haven't got it all. I didn't get it all. I got a taste of all of these good things. You know, I, I, I didn't get it all. I haven't apprehended. I haven't overcome. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward, reaching forth unto those things which are before. So don't look backwards and try to bank on what's back there. You better look forward. Move forward with your life and with your knowledge of Jesus Christ and knowledge of the Heavenly Father, knowledge of the Scripture, asking, make an aim for the future. Verse 14 says, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So why settle for second best? You can look for more. You can ask for more. You can press towards the mark of serving God righteously and understanding everything about it, understanding the scriptures uh, so that you can move forward with Christ. Yes, that's the way to get the best. Some believers and churches don't aim for much. They set their goals low because they're afraid of failure. And if we ask for too much and it doesn't happen, well, right there, you've already failed, right? They didn't believe God could give it to you. <laughs> What if it didn't come true when we pray for it? I was talking to the brethren up at the camp, and the one brother said, you know, we've seen it over and over and over where God came through when we really needed it. We asked, but God did it. Right now they got a problem. They talked to the county and they said, uh, uh, you have to change your uh, drainage system for the septic field. And, he, and the fellow said to me, you know, we don't lie. So I answered correctly, even though it's going to cost them thousands of dollars to answer correctly. Right? 
But that's how we do things. We do it right. We answer correctly. We don't lie. We don't fudge. We don't try to get around something. They asked, and he told them. They came and looked, or whatever they did. I don't know, by paperwork or what. And they know the lay of the land. They know the way the water flows. And they know whether it's going to drain properly. And in Canada, we used to take percolation tests to see if the ground would disperse the water. And maybe they know all of that. So when he told them what the situation was and what they needed, they're going to have to build it now. That's why I sent out a letter to a lot of people, at least 50, and we sent out a letter to. Didn't press the issue, didn't tell the whole story, just said, remember the camp. <laughs> remember, they could use the money, they're trying to get ready for, for June. Okay. But we have to believe that God will provide. And it may be a surprise completely as to who's going to respond and how much they respond with from $25, $10, I don't know. But somebody's going to respond with more and it'll add up to enough in the next month, month and a half. Yeah, God can do that. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I wrote myself a little note here on the side. You aim at nothing, you're bound to hit it. <laughs> we need to aim for more and expect God wants us to have the more. Uh, we do not depend on our own poor powers. You say, well, let's see, I could go out and cut grass and donate that money to the Lord. Well, at my age and my strength and my back, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's settling for second best, right? God's got all the gold and silver. Wasn't that in last week's sermon? God owns all the silver. God owns all the cattle on the thousand hills. He owns the gold. God can see to it that this comes from who knows where, but all of a sudden it'll be there. Won't be just because of my letter, neither. <laughs> okay. Uh, God can put a thought in somebody's mind and they send something. God said, uh, or Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's Philippians 4, verse 13. He could not do it all on his own. He said, I'm depending on God and the Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. He's going to strengthen us and give us the abilities that we need. That's Philippians 4, 13. Uh, another thought here. We must aim for God's highest and best. That's what we're aiming for. Our strength is finite. But God's power, on the other hand, is infinite. Almost the same spelling. Infinite. No problems. Depend on him. God is able to do it. The next step was to visualize God's best. If we lift up, oh, there's a verse here in, in Psalm 121, 1 and 2. And uh, I really looked this over because this is the traveler's uh, blessing, you might say, on somebody that's traveling. And this was read to me when we left Canada. But the first two verses, I don't think I wrote down more than, than, than the two verses. Uh, it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. 
we could get excited here and I could start talking about the hills and the beauty and the water coming down and uh, nope, that's not what I'm really needing to talk about, right? We need to be trusting in the Heavenly Father so that we can visualize in our own mind what God has for us. I could really stand those waterfalls and those trees and whatever that I grew up with and the, the ferns and all of that. I, I, I could really visualize that. Well, God's got something even better for us. So we can lift up our eyes, lift up our mind, visualize, get excited about the Heavenly Father, and He's going to be our help. Our help comes from the Lord. The believers do not visualize God's best. Sometimes we don't. We don't put it into practice. We know we ought to, but sometimes we don't. Some people would settle for the lowlands for uh, self-seeking and self-indulgence, the lowland. It's level that's easy to cultivate, it's easy to walk on. But you know what the beauty is? When you get up there at about, whatever, 8,000 feet, 7,000 feet, and uh, up a mountain, and you see the grasses in front of you are all in bloom of a hundred kinds of flowers. Now that's worth going up there. A little hard to plow, but... <laughs> God has made the lowlands and he's made the high and we need to be visualizing God's best for us. Don't get stuck in the lowlands. Paul received a vision of God's best uh, and he says that in, um, let's see, that's, that's in um, Acts 26 and 18 and 19. I even was taking more than this too, but uh, he was talking to the authorities and Paul said in Acts 26, 18, 19, and 20. In verse 18, he says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness unto light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by the faith that is in, in me. He's saying, I'm, I've got this faith and I'm trying to pass it on to somebody else. I want them to visualize it. I want to turn them from darkness to light. Wow, that, that's an amazing situation. If you talk to somebody and convince them, turn them. From the power of Satan, get them away from Satan and give them God's power. Uh, forgiveness from their sins. Inheritance. You know, if you take a person in whatever state they are, and they're not that good, okay? But you teach them Christ, and they accept Christ? Wow, that's a big step. Joy in heaven, right? But also, if they continue to walk in it, stay with, stay faithful, what have you given them? Eternal life. You've given them the kingdom. You've given them all of these wonderful things. Also, you've given them the power of Christ, the power of God in them in this world to be able to exist. You've given them, really, a fantastic future. So in verse 19, whereupon, uh, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So he was given this in his mind as to what his job was going to be to witness and to testify and to win people for Christ. He's got that vision in his mind. That's what's forcing him forward. Verse 20, but show first unto them of Damascus. He said, I'm supposed to do short range stuff first. And Damascus was my first place. 
You remember that's where his eyes were opened? Where his blindness was taken from him? And he started preaching right away, right there in Damascus. Then he went down to Jerusalem to see him there. And he also preached there. And throughout the coast of Judea, wherever he went. Then to the Gentiles. Wow, he went outside of his country. He went to the Gentiles. That they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. Now that's really doing something. We talk about the barbarians or whatever you wanted to say about countries that didn't believe. And he went there and he turned them to salvation, to Christ and taught them. You know, one thing that I find personally is no matter what country people come from, if they believe in the scriptures, they believe in the writings translated into their languages probably because it is now. The King James went into all kinds of languages. So there's no problem getting it in people's language. If they will live by this book, you know what? Them and us, we think alike. Our value system is the same. My value system and their value system is the same because we got it from here. Wow, now that's real brotherhood. Okay, let's go on to uh, expect. Expect God's best. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is hope that I'm talking about. Hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. This Bible verse, such a simple one, could really be expanded. It could really talk about things. But it's the faith of the whole story, the faith in Christ, the faith in, in the Heavenly Father, the belief in righteousness and true living. Uh, that should all come together in this understanding that we call faith. Call faith the substance. It, it's got something there that you can't tangibly touch sometimes. And Faith, how do you put a finger on it? Okay, the substance. But it is the things that are hoped for, the evidence. You're going to see something happening. You're going to see people's lives changed. You're going to see them representing Jesus Christ. When it comes to doing God's work, many believers falter and fail. They don't want to do it themselves and they don't teach anybody else to do it. Bad news. Some people forget, neglect, or simply refuse to accomplish much for God. It's something where you just go and sit there and hear somebody say something or there's music and some greenery and some uh, flashing lights or whatever and that's all they, they get out of the, out of the churchy type stuff instead of making it their own. We cannot expect to have God's best unless we do our best. In James chapter 2 and verse 17 is, is what it talks about faith, but I want to go verse 17, 18, 19, 20. <laughs> They're all short. James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. If you don't move on what you know and do, don't do anything. You have no works to validate anything. Verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, 
and I have works. That's what many people do say. Show me thy faith without thy works. You've got nothing to prove, nothing to show, not show and tell, nothing. I will show thee my faith by my works. If you really believe in this God and his ways and his blessings, do something about it. Do some works. Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Very good. Thou doest well. Okay. The devils believe also and tremble. You got to be better than that. <laughs> Remember when they came to Jesus and they said, are you here to bother us before the time comes? Leave us alone. And Jesus didn't really respond to that because they were right about it. That it wasn't the time yet, but they weren't going to stay where they were. They were going to get out of people. They were going to get out of those pigs and so on. Okay. Uh, so the devils know better and they are trembling. So just, just knowledge, just belief is not enough. We need to serve this Heavenly Father. Verse 20, it says, But wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Don't you understand that? That's what James is saying. That it's dead if it doesn't have any actions to it, anything going on. In closing, I thought of some things. How does one have or obtain God's best that God has for us? Well, I told you some. Follow those. God has for us um, to get to, to be on God's side, I put on here. We're going to make a decision. Are we on that side of the fence or this side of the fence? We're going to get on God's side because there's a battle of flesh and the spirit, a battle between true belief and spirit of God and Satan and flesh, this body. Oh, I like that food. I like this. I like that. I like this. Uh, no, there's a battle going on between that. Scripture says we wrestle, we fight, we wrestle, not against the flesh, but against the spiritual wickedness. That's true. We are in this battle. So we must be saved by Jesus so God can help us. If we don't buy into the system, if we never, never get involved with the Heavenly Father, do we expect anything from it? No, we don't belong. We're not part of the family. We don't have an inheritance. All of that reverses once you get to know the Heavenly Father and get on His side. Uh, ask God to save us from the world, from sin, and into Jesus Christ because he died for us and he took our place and, and our sins. He did it for us. We must ask God to forgive us in Jesus' name. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves or ourselves. It is a gift of God. May God bless you.